another episode of like dragon like sun uh my name is jay away and i'm jack away and uh we're a father-son podcast uh talking all things dungeons and dragons uh world's greatest role-playing game as they say fifth edition or uh, maybe not always fifth edition I, I bring the old school jack brings the new school mm. and as we are getting close to midwinter festival uh whether whatever that festival may be in the realm that you live in um <laughs> We are, we're talking about presents, gifts of the best yeah. kind. We're, we are going highbrow, super classy, only like, you know, Christmas for us here, uh, we've sort of been thinking a lot about how maybe when, when Jack was younger and maybe myself when I was a kid, we used to get a lot of like, a lot of plastic garbage, let's face it. They're sure. like, people think it's cute or it's fun or I'll give you this little thing or the idea of stocking stuffers and Gradually, we've sort of gathered this perspective on the fact that a lot of those little gifts just, you know, they're, they're cute and fun for a moment, but maybe they're, maybe they just kind of end up either being thrown away or given away or recycled or sure. something in the end. Yeah. And last year we talked about a little, a lot of little magic items. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel that maybe those magic items over the past year have, have also just been lost, given away or recycled. So this Christmas... I uh, gave you my heart. <laughs> yes. This Christmas. That was last uh, Christmas. Yeah. We are saving it for something special, which in this case is artifacts. Yeah, that's right. The ultimate top tier items that are exalted and, you know, put in the canon, whatever it might be that are. And you would think, top the top you think, above oh, legendary. I am never going to be playing a game where we get relics out or artifacts out. And, and interestingly enough, um, it actually happens. I mean, it's happened to me this past year. Uh, I have was DMing and, uh, yeah, managed to find a way to put uh, Ring of Winter into a game, and it wasn't a big deal, actually. Uh, and it was fun. And you have had some experiences this year where mm. not only were you giving out artifacts left, right, and center, like you were no, making, no. making them up. You were, like, creating them from scratch. Well, not left, and right, nothing, and nothing says I love you at Midwinter Festival. <laughs> quite like a handmade artifact right custom made well um, usually it, it's a collaborative process i don't just make it for them um well they say that in this is straight from the dungeon master's guide that an artifact is a unique magic item of tremendous power with its own origin and history an artifact might have been created by gods or mortals of awesome power to which they mean the dungeon master uh, it could have been created sure. in the midst of a crisis that threatened the kingdom, a world, or an entire multiverse, and carry the weight of that pivotal moment in history. Some artifacts appear when they are needed most. For others, the reverse is true. When discovered, the world trembles at the ramifications of the find. Mm. Um, so yeah, what what were yours? Well, were they tr- world trembling? Or were like, you know, was it... Uh, you know, something that was most needed. I treat artifacts as like multifaceted items that are uber complex and almost a, a signal of when a character has reached some sort of big crux, right? And I think a, a great way to look at doing artifacts is seeing them grow with characters. And what I mean by this is taking a page out of the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount where there's the dormant, you know, awakened, exalted or whatever like system they have for doing yeah. magic items. The idea yeah, that yeah. magic items are complex and grow with characters. And I think artifacts give you real room to push that limit with rather than just small statistical bumps or spells that you can cast here and then and whatever it might be, you know, like we can push these limits and go farther with what artifacts can do, giving many different options that change the way the game is played because really power levels are pushed to the next level from the items that players often run into. And if you don't dole out magic items, you're going to find that your party's often struggling to, you know, meet some of the, you know, high-level threats that other parties might be meeting at the same level. 
would be my thing. Or you'd find that you've doled out too many items and suddenly everything's a cakewalk. Yeah, I mean, I, I played a, a game last night where uh, our party had met up with some bad guys that they had seen, not for some time, two levels earlier. And the last time we encountered them, boy, did we, you know, get our butts kicked. Oh, yeah. Um, this time, however, two levels higher and loaded up with way more magic items than we used to have. Um, also, you know, we had a surprise, which is a, a rare and wonderful occasion. Um, yeah, that that was a cakewalk. A magic items make a heck load of difference. Oh, sure. Uh, in the game. And, and yeah, so artifacts have got to have a, a certain, like, you've got to understand as a dungeon master, a, it changes the balance. Mm. Um and, but they should fit the story at the same time, right? Yeah. As well, like the the stakes stakes in the game have escalated to such point where you're now using super powerful items. Yeah, ultimate artifacts. When, so now, so you've got these things that are growing with the characters, and that makes sense. Um, do you do like the minor beneficial properties and major beneficial properties, the things that are in the DM's guide? I think randomly determining it is kind of throwing away the. The yeah. opportunity with it. It doesn't feel like that mm. specific to the character nor growing with them. Somehow. Sure. If you find one and you just need to like, oh, whatever artifact that they find, then sure, you can roll those tables. And if you don't have experience creating magic items, it's a good way to sort of see what minor or major properties could be. Can I just say something about these tables that bug me? What's that? Like, we've uh, we've sort of never said this straight up, but I like tables that have got like 10 things on them and you roll a d10 or eight things in a d8 or a hundred things and each item has its own number okay, on it sure this one has got uh, roll a d100 but it's just got nine things on it sure and it's a bit like okay so the first 20 points are the first item on it and then it's like by tens after that right and it's sort of a bit like oh well just you know just roll a d10 then and just make the first one one to yeah, two three four five six cool. seven eight nine ten i don't know like sometimes things like in the old like guides where you roll a d100 but they only have like a sort of some sort of odd number in between it, i don't know the thing about a d100 is that you can start to weight things which is when it really becomes useful like certain things are more likely to occur or be able to be gained or things like that which is yeah. when i like to use d100s yeah i mean and these tables aren't fantastic for artifacts i mean given the power and coolness of artifacts that half these like the major beneficial property is essentially you know pick a spell from either fourth fifth sixth or seventh level or something and it's like well okay well that's super kind of, exciting whatever you know right. like uh, i could do that at seventh level a spell hmm okay yeah um but you know you see a lot of that though if you do look at artifacts that are in the game um they do actually have like expend charges and you can use you know bigby's hand or cone of cold or whatever and and that's all right i mean i'm not against artifacts that allow you to create an effect like that um it's actually you know that's often part of what's cool about an artifact oh totally i mean it it can give you a variety of spells and i think miss mythic odyssey of theros is a good example of how they just throw plenty of artifacts at the wall uh, and they use their special um, piety 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 mm-hmm. uh, mechanic to determine how many of these extra beneficial properties there are in it right or detrimental properties if you're not a worshiper of whatever god you might find of it and tying it to divinity which is a key thing in the campaign setting because think about like these items of ultimate power, what do they mean for your campaign setting, right? Like, are they created by certain deities? Are they, you know, made by individual? Can mortals create artifacts, you know? Are they, you know, separate from all these things, secular in all senses and just, you know, beings in themselves almost? Are they sentient? Are they not sentient? You know, all of these things you can consider. And you can even take very rare legendary items and turn them into artifacts by just slapping on a couple other features a bit of lore and a bit of reasons why these things could be artifacts and there you go you've got an artifact really to me that's what makes artifacts an artifact is that there's more than just like it does this one thing you know or it lets you cast a couple spells like it does like you know it, it gives you the reforge you can cast these spells there's a whole thing on how to destroy it and all these you know other beneficial properties it has like i can get into some of the ones that i've made for my players in a moment but like you see the way that Mythic Odyssey does it, and there's always a connection or some sort of lore tie-in, which I think is important for making the gravitas, like you said, of, of these artifacts feel real. Yeah, they they almost become a character in the story as a, sure. as a DM. 
you uh, you need to keep referencing back to it. It needs to be something that is pursued well, or in awe of like people have. It you can know, be. I, I think if you like if you treat it the same way you treat a you know plus one shield, you you know give it to somebody and yeah it shows up mechanically oh, well, once sure. in a while, then you've done a disservice to you know to the story. Um, I think the artifacts are there to really you know help up the 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 conflict and crisis you know that in involved in things not just make it easier for you to play but you know easier to, for you to fight and do damage or do special things mm. but the fact that this thing exists at all becomes part of you know maybe the the reason that the bad guys are coming after you now or that it, a new you know even a more powerful creature has set its sights upon you oh uh, yeah for sure that this definitely draws attention, like especially if these if there are beings out there trying to collect these ultra powerful items, that there are definitely people who are going to be looking as to who has these or whose possession it is, especially if you're not protected from scrying. Do you um do you put detrimental properties on your artifacts? Um, I talk again the way I make artifacts is I talk with players before I give it to them. Like I'm like, okay, what kind of weapon or what kind of thing really accentuates your character that your character would be like, this is my weapon. You know, this is right. the one that I'd that's like I like and it has options. It gives me freedom to play and it. it already boosts what I like and gives me new things to play around with, right? And if that includes something from their background that would be detrimental, but is a trade-off in some way and they're okay with that then i can i'm more than happy to give that to them but then i almost then again make those good sides even better right like i wouldn't just throw a detriment on because i'm like well you know so in detriments would you would you like look talk about like their flaws or bonds and sort of look at ways to that are interesting for making the character like oh, sure. put them in dilemma situations or for you sure. know give them something that they have to choose to do you know maybe instead of always helping their friends now that this thing is making them think oh maybe i'll do something on my own or i could make them think something or inherently like there's a, a part of am i willing to sacrifice this immense power to help the people that i care about or would i rather hold on to this thing that would last me a lifetime rather than these people who i don't know how long they last right yeah um i think those are all the questions that you you ask when there's such a, an important item that can put things at risk um, would be my thought on that. But, I mean, you, even, like, scrolling through on D&D Beyond, what all, all of these different things look like, and you see there's the our Arms of the Betrayer from um, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Uh, Tasha's Guide to Everything introduces a bunch of new ones as well um, that are super fun in terms of, like, thinking, like, what can, like, what do super complicated, uh, like, things look like that can make my character do things that they could never do beforehand? And you look at something like the cauldron, uh, Igwilv's cauldron, right? where you can like actually just you know i think you can make meals for people you can you know um fortify people like with gallons of wine you can you know perform scrying spells and there's also like summon swarms of bats like these are all things that are not existing features or like that would never be right and that's almost the opportunity of artifacts where you know there's no room in a homebrew subclass or in a racial feature it's just too powerful yeah where a magic item can supplement that ability for them you know i think that's another potential you could see with artifacts artifacts often have like things that also are hard to describe just with spells and things right like mm. the idea of doing um there's one uh, like a frozen in time from the ring of winter where you you know, don't age naturally mm. and while that means little to the players probably in the time span that you're playing sure if they come across an npc or somebody who has it um who has had it for a very very long time mm. and then takes it off to give it to them and that person suddenly ages you know a hundred years maybe dying even in the process um that becomes like a really big story moment you know mm. yeah yeah oh totally yeah that's uh and that sort of stuff is you know is is how i think you know you you introduce like artifacts and things like rather than them like one of the, i think they was the cooler ways like of bringing it in is is through story not just like oh hey i found this thing here but maybe somebody else is you know maybe they've given up their life in exchange for you know, a lot of a lot of good Briganox died to bring me this. <laughs> sure. 
yeah, I mean, what is the cost of gaining this item if you want to have it to be a build-up? I mean, um, the way I've done artifacts, I've done two artifacts, I think, and maybe three, and they were all different in sort of the way that they came about. Um, and I can get into that in a second, but I think one more cute example of how to like do a super complex one that isn't just these random properties is the Baba Yaga's Mortar and Pestle. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, which has like two separate items that work together uh, in tandem. And maybe that's another piece of your artifact is that it's got two parts that have to go together for it to really work, you know, and that can even like encourage cooperation like maybe one player is attuned to one half or only that player can attune to one half of it and the other player is attuned to the other half and only when it really comes together like and they fight together does it really show its true strength and maybe that's a little too cheesy for you but uh it's just a couple ideas if even if you're like oh they're super high level but they're almost like splitting um and fraying in terms of what they do and i want to I want to encourage them to be more cohesive and work as a party again, you know? Um, and this could be a, an easy way to, like, push them and nudge them in a little way that isn't too much, right? Um, that already accentuates their, their strengths. Um, but this one's, you know, it's cute. You can, like, use it as, like, as alchemist supplies, brewer supplies, cooks utensils, herbalism kits, poisoners kits. You can use them um, to like instantly fill it with materials. You can well, I like you know, how the mortar things in it, like the mortar, which is the bowl bit of it, um, expands. can expand. Yeah. So you can even put like a large sized creature into it. Put a whole like, troll in it. It's like whoop, something's whoop. big enough. Like, and, like if you activate it, it does like forty ten automatic force damage every turn to anything inside to reduce it to its primal parts, which is is funny. And you can also like. I think you can like it lifts into the air and vanishes and like you travel through a dreamlike sky and like to your destination within a thousand miles which i think is very cute um it's an idea uh but it's even like faster if it's in nighttime i think yeah the traverse the night feature and you and any creature in your mortar travel so you basically sit in the big bowl and you fly around in it be careful um, not to activate it while your friends hazy are hazy ref reflections of the world passing below creatures might see image of you streaking through the sky this is actually gives me like really santa claus reindeer vibes actually could be, could you could be. be like traveling traversing the night distributing presents mm. in your uh flying mortar and pestle yeah and the only way to break it is if it's crushed underfoot by the dancing hut of baba yaga or by baba yaga baba yaga herself so some fun stuff if you know the lore and make make items like that like there is like only one prophecy foretold way to destroy it or whatever but um, my artifacts i just tend to use as an excuse to make really complex item for my friends um that they also have a hand in designing um because there are powerful smiths in my world who with the right amount of materials and years of time and dedicated adventures who can collect these dangerous parts um, from right. monsters across the land well, can make these items. Let's let's take one as an example. Let's start with one that you, uh, you've you made for your game. What's sure it called? Thing. Give us a, one off the top. All right. Well, my uh, Hexblade friend, playing friend, um, wanted a, a weapon that could be many different weapons that could be, um, they had this image that they showed me of a sword that like, whipped out um, to a long whip that almost had like spine-like teeth, like, you know, vertebrae sure, to each sure. of it where yep. the sword would disconnect, right? Yep. And I'm like, well, that's a very cool idea. Right? I've seen that before. Um, and so I've made, I made an item called the the Spine of the Oni's Shadow because they're sort of like a japanese inspired character. Um, Elvin, and it's a, elven longsword that when whipped out can turn into a long barbed whip um and essentially has three forms uh gives plus two a plus two bonus which scaled to a plus three eventually um always extra d10 force damage those are small things um extra but then d10 force damage every hit yeah ouch uh and it has three forms which is the ultimate complex thing about it and it, it's all sorts of like rules for um, different shadows through its charges that he can expend to perform all sorts of effects, um, including things that just like versatile change the weapon's form um, between the fang form, which is the long sword, the uh, spine form, which is the long whip, and the nebula form, where he explodes it into a bunch of skittering pieces around him that can, you know do area damage around him which is, is the idea behind that one and we went back and forth about like you know does this feature feel right you know how would you use this and i like wrote up like a whole like 100 word 200 word manual on how to use the item um and all sorts of things that let him teleport and gain bonuses and target multiple creatures and it really is quite a complex 
thing, but that was what he wanted. You know, he wanted an item that would give him um, modes for yeah. long range melee, short range melee, and this and, became and you're, his you're, packed weapon. Your table you handles know? like a lot of crunch really well. Yes, yes, that's another thing, right? Is is your party more into lore and that role play flavor then your artifacts reflect that you know make yeah. artifacts that are more into this you know less chunky d10s and statistical yeah, and bonuses charges and for this charges and, that and, sure. and things like that and you're right yeah. if you're building your own and you know you've got a really rp heavy table then make rp heavy items yeah, have items that do all sorts of things that encourage interaction and conversation and powers and oh yeah and creativity in doing right? that sort of stuff and creative things that you can you can do with that hmm. um the one risk about making very complex items is that your players, if they're not a part of the process, often forget what they do. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> and a very important thing to do. So, you know, a lot of DMs make things and then just drop them on their players. Mm. But to remember that this is collaborative storytelling. So we might as do well do collaborative, you know, artifact building. Why not? And nobody understands their character better than the player themselves, right? Like the totally. DM... The DM tries, but the DM often has got is juggling many, many different yeah, balls. Exactly. So to actually stop and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with your players, um, it's a mm. much better way to ensure that they've they've got what not only what they want, but you're right, what they can use. Mm. And so back to Christmas presents that people are actually going to use, not not presents that you know just look good and are fun for like one minute. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Uh, this the way this one was made was almost a it was like 16,000 gold which is in my world a lot of gold because silver is like the new gold and gold is like platinum um i feel like sometimes D, &D is too inflated with how much stuff is well, but 16k was the, a the, lot the problem with the virtual currency the, the problem with like made up things is that it, nobody has any real sense of value we've, sure. we've talked about this in terms of magic items and just day-to-day -day expenses and costs and you see it in actual plays all the time where characters are like, yay, we just picked up 100 gold, so they go back to the tavern, they order a beer, and they leave a gold on the counter for it. And, of course, the DM always expresses, you know, surprise and how happy a bartender is to sort of see that sort of thing. And it's a trope that we see again and again. Sure. You know, but largely because players have no idea or clue what things are worth. Sure. Um, and, yeah, we do in... If, if you're playing most, like, standard written games that are out there, like modules and stuff published by Wizards of the Coast, treasure piles are enormous. Mm. Absolutely enormous. And sometimes you're like, well, what do we even spend it on? Sure. Um, and, and yeah, so then, you know, the, the tendency is to come up with a magic store, which is, eh. It's better, I think, sometimes, like you've decided to do here, where it's not a store. These aren't, like, items that you just buy on the shelf. Instead, These are things you commission. Yeah, know? this stuff is is, mm. and yeah, well, forged pulling, by sure. forged by very pulling, talented smiths in you know magical yeah. locations. Pulling from almost a, a game that I, I was playing when I was formulating this campaign setting, which was um, Monster Hunter, uh, specifically, I think it was Monster Hunter World, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, there's the whole system of taking these big beasts you slain and then turning them into armor yeah. and weapons you continue to use. So the, and this follows the, that trend, yeah. literally being a spine of some kind. Um, this followed all sorts of like, I, 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 and the beautiful thing about an artifact is you give people missions and that can be recovering parts of the artifact and putting it together. And this literally being kill creatures which have these parts in them that I can use to make this. Sure. And maybe that's, again, if you start the conversation to find out what they want and stuff, then you can start planning adventures yeah, ahead of time how big are those costs you know yeah. and like what kind of things you know and that way the player as they kill these beasts you know realize what the potential of how they could gain these properties right and almost lets me like oh i want a a thing that can you know shoot outwards you know or like an you know uh does more force damage all right now i gotta make a creature that does force damage and that has arms and limbs that can stretch outwards or teleport or whatever right um and it almost inspires me in turn to create adventures centered around whatever this p next p big piece is, right, towards this goal. And it's the same with, with my big spellcasters in a way, in that this is almost like creating a new spell for them, right? Like my friend um, wanted to make a big new, I think, eight, ninth, eight or ninth level spell um, that was a big area of effects. So, so, and I, I so let them do it. I let them do it. Maybe familiar... Um, Jack's latest campaign, which is nearly to its, its oh yeah, end, I, I think the next session might be has the last played one. all the way up to twentieth level and now beyond into epic boons and all sorts of things. And yeah. so, 
Um, Only and, one player. And they've always been fighting really big, big, scary things anyways. Mm, true. But now they're reaching... I mean, I don't even know how long your combat sessions must take running through that much hit points, but... Sometimes I'm like, I forget things for sure. I forget things all the time. The player will be like, how much damage did I do to me? I'm like, I did damage to you? <laughs> I, mean, I can't remember what happened last turn <laughs> unless someone, like, reminds me, right? And so I've almost got... I, I'm always on, like, my toes with, like, how much there is going on, but... Yeah, always trying to innovate with and do this new sort stuff. Of, with this sort of stuff, with people being able to drop 8th, ninth level spells, mad hmm. big things, it's quite easy in one turn for them to deal out hundreds and hundreds of hit points worth of oh, damage. Oh, for sure. Like, last and, combat, I gave the thing 800 hit points, and it wasn't alive for more than, you know, four rounds. No, like, no sweat, they can put out, like, 200 damage every round. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm, I'm often just like blown away with how much they can do and like honestly how much they're they're thinking about these things right and i i give more and more for them to use and they always you know delight me in the ways that they end up using it right but and that's um, not what giving the spirit of giving is all about oh for sure right um so you just gotta start keep cranking up the ac and the the resistances and mm. and uh immunities and all the different things that oh, make yeah super super monsters yeah although um, there is one rule that i always follow which is that i never give my monsters legendary resistance that's crazy i'd be like i never ever give them legendary be, resistance. well maybe that's your final boss that's the thing like they 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 get three or something that no i'm i'm, I'm it's always like nope never it's because i i feel it's that that i mean that's a whole other rant but that's one thing that i never gave my big guys even though they're legendary in all other senses but doesn't it like doesn't that mean though that then there's a lot of ninth level spells that can just wipe them out instantly no what what spell would do that well, i don't know what if we just gated it into like another world and then close the gate well it can still try and make this save succeed and if it fails yay we win well it's not really dealt with often winning isn't just making it go somewhere else it is Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what kind of games you're playing, but uh, uh, you know the kind. The kind. Those kind of level threats cheating, have a way to come is back. The way that to beat your and if you're master. trying to get the loot from its body, gating it away, now you have nothing. So isn't, that's isn't, my. Isn't cheating your DM like really the whole point of Dungeons sure, and Dragons? Sure. No. Um, but there's many different ways to make artifacts, and that one specifically was through craftsmanship uh, and busied working, where the player sacrificed their main weapon um, for like what like five six sessions they had no core like weapon besides these non-magical things they were using while everyone else had these you know again they're you know pretty good tier plus twos you know um that they'd found along flame tongues things they'd found along the way um while this player was like ah you know um, temporarily nerfed before they received this massive weapon that gave them all sorts of options and suddenly they were back into the swing of things uh, and just trying to learn how to use it really you got to give players almost like a combat immediately after they get all this stuff to just try and figure out how to use it, um, which I think is fun as well. But another um, example of when I made an artifact was when I gave my players a chance to go through the deck of many things. Yeah. Um, it was a semi-dreamlike sequence where they'd met a, a master diviner um, who really, uh, before their final leg of the journey, gave them all a, a um, like a... a I think it was like a thread of fate or like a thread of destiny um, that they uh, that she had modified their memory in the moment before they saw, saw the card. So at any point when they wanted to, they could reveal their fate and uh, recall the moment where they see the card and it activates its effects upon them, um, which is essentially a way of giving them um, sort of that suspicion. Like, you know, this is a, a big moment. Do I reveal it now? Will it be a, a boon or will it, you know, be terrible, right? Um, and for one of them, my players got... Uh, the one which lets you give them a ran either a random uh, rare or rare item or one of your choice. And I thought, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to give this player their big artifact weapon made for them, right? Because this is, you know, this is a big thing. You know, re revealed in this moment of fate, they gain this ultimate weapon that can turn the tide of battle. And so I began talking with him, um, just like a little, I was like trying to like phrase it with everyone, just like generally like, what would your, your favorite item be? Like, what would be the ultimate item? Which is, again, always useful to do. Just talk to your players, like, what is your character's big item that they'd want what would you want to see in such a, a legendary artifact that your character would receive and typically it just it instantly sparks conversation with even thinking about well what, what does my character want at this moment and that can spark that discussion and with this he was going in a direction of moving away from the evil side of blood hunter and towards the um good side of blood hunter 
dealing with his past that had done this to him and turning it into something else. And so I gave him a very, uh, I gave him a, a magical longsword called the Watcher of Many Worlds. Um, That's good. I like your titles, by the way. Thank you. Um, what the previous one was the, the something spine? Uh, spine of the Oni's Shadow. Oof, okay. And then this one was? Uh, this one was the Watcher of Many Worlds. Watcher of Many Worlds. You, and there's also like one I worked really with do called sound... the Pike of the Vengeful Legion as well. I like that. I like the sort of yeah, the, the the sort of format you have on those sure. sounds very, very grand, very big story. Oh yeah, these are the this is the Watcher of Many Worlds. You know, uh, plus three of course. Uh, in addition to like combining other did items, he had plus three as well, or did it did it grow? The spine eventually I gained plus three, and this one started straight out the gate. Yes, that way. well, because he just got it last session. Oh, I see. And there were um, where he finally revealed it. Um, where I wanted because he the thing is he always struggled with. Um, long swords because he wanted to have a shield right and he's like i want to ditch the shield but i i really need this plus two ac boost i'm like just the long sword gives you the plus a two ac boost there you go don't worry about it it's so amazing being the dungeon master boom you know and so working that in you know what is the reasoning here he started to get into chronergy magic as well right and so i tie all those elements in the divine aspect the working with the blood hunter maledicts and the chronergy sort of thing and i i put those all into one weapon um which have constant features like think about passive things that are doesn't always active do, and activatable features doesn't defensive do use charges give you like doesn't it say something about like it's proficiency get... bonus as a reaction but I not see. always you don't always get a bonus um, but I was just sort of thinking there is other ways that you can kind of help boost AC. Sure, but we, the, as a, well, as now a we're including feats, the, right? Yeah. We're not talking about artifacts yeah, but anymore. I'm, yeah, but I'm sort of saying like including like if you're trying to look at how to build an ar- stuff into an artifact, yeah, you can just say, okay, well, it gives you a plus two AC. Or you can kind of, I think, Provided also they aren't wearing a shield. find it, find a little ways to add in, yeah, something that's a little bit more that borrows from one of the feats or from lines sure. el- elsewhere in the text of D&D. You could do so that. So that you know that you're not just... You could do that slapping together a whole bunch of stuff you can sort of you know well, there's there comes a point borrow, with 20th level characters borrow. where all these things you kind of know already right yeah and you could follow what already exists or you could take that chance and try something that doesn't already exist right and the thing is this actually lowered his ac because he had a plus two shield already and so this giving him the plus two right. was a reduction anyway so rather than so losing the plus four like minus four he, only, down he only went down two which is still a downgrade but yeah. better than a minus no, four nobody likes right? seeing their ac drop um, and i was happy to give that to him uh there, his shield always gave him protection from evil and good so i kept that um there's other things like uh i can just read some of the names out like sanguine justicar um binding call clockwork tempo divine nova these are all features that he had the ability to um allocate and, and almost something i want to try with um more artifacts i do in the future is being able to allocate slots during long rests um to different features like oh uh, like not that like you have seven charges and whenever you use a feature it takes a charge but instead you've got you know five charges how are you splitting up these charges throughout the day when you take that long rest and that way you know you're equipping yourself for a certain kind of day or play style, which is, again, super crunchy and is really about player motivation in what these features are, right? Um, but he really wanted to become like a defender of the party and like really taking on more damage. Right. Uh, and so I gave him features that let him do that, um, things that uh, let him take more damage or like become um, something that can give Guardian, like can put up walls of force, wall of lights, shield of faith, stuff like that. Um, as well as things that let him re-roll and expand upon his Chronergy Wizard stuff, but also work with his um, Blood Hunter sort of stuff. Uh, like whenever his Crimson Ride is active, it does extra stuff as well. So really tuned in to what your player character features are. Like you have a Barbarian, you're giving them Artifact. You know, make one of the features of the Artifact that it improves their Rage or does something with their Rage. Like I made one called uh, Mantle of the Menagerie for um, my Barbarian, Path of the Beast Barbarian player. Uh, and it really, like that was the ultimate, like they'd kill... Uh, over like the year of downtime, they killed 20 different beasts or whatever in there. Um, and it was like come bringing all these parts together to make the ultimate like um, Frankenstein like, you know, thing that he can activate that like really worked with all the stuff because he was a dragonborn. And it's like, all right, what can I do to make your, you know, breath weapon better using these things? What can I do to make your all aspects of your character even better? Right. And so if you're making a targeted artifact, think about that as well. Like you're a bard. Oh, okay. Can I make your instrument? Can I give you an instrument artifact that's super cool or that expands on the things you already do that makes your song of rest better, that makes your, you know, um, 
whatever you do with your bardic inspiration better all of these different things like thinking about existing class features and so like other people when they pick up this artifact like this artifact it won't be nearly as tailor-made for them as it is for you right it doesn't always have to be a weapon or an art item it can be easily be armor it can be shields it can be um wondrous items like staves of power robes of the archmage like that are legendary already take that next step make them for your player and suddenly they're that next level artifact that really accentuates this um peak of power that you might find i don't know that's my main suggestion there um gee to all in radial land uh so how many artifacts have you given out in total to the party this year well, usually it's not more than one per per person. Right, I wouldn't do that. That sounds like enough already. Sure, but every, so everybody in the party's got one. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and now, on top of that, you were telling me that the last session, we okay, so we have ourselves. Uh, I think uh, uh, something we got uh, in our own Christmas presents last Christmas, uh, a box of Griffin saddlebag. Uh, magic items mm. uh, they're on cards they're in a box they're beautiful if you've ever come across one um fun to have uh, as just a you know nice easy way to hand out magic items and so on top of them having all these artifacts you um you literally dealt out the entire box of griffin saddlebag cards to your yeah. players yeah well i think and, and I, that... my first reaction was saying to you like whoa how do you guys deal with attunement and you said i don't we just we're just not going to use attunement. The Forget thing it. is, though, is because that players attunement was sure, this like thing okay. introduced in the game to sort of limit how many magic items a player could have, and now you're sort of sort of saying, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to go with it. Yeah. Well, their main core thing is that they're already attuned to everything, right? Like they've already maxed out their attunement slots, and for the sake of momentum in this final leg of the journey, there is no time for rest. There was no time for attunement. And so it makes having these things pretty much useless. Right. Right. Which is a lot of the time like, oh, we got this cool item. Well, can't attune to it. Never mind. You know, and that was the, almost the thing with uh, we played Curse of Strahd, that final session. We found what the staff of power. Yeah. And you just couldn't use it. it was, you can't attune to it. So what was the point? There was you know? no, there was no time. There was like, ooh, ah, no, no, wrong. You know, and so yeah. ignoring that for even that one session, because I know it's not going to be a long lasting issue. Yeah. And it's like. Even if it is going to be like, oh, we picked it up. It would be really cool for just for this fight. What are you willing to expend to have it now? Yeah. And then we properly attune to it later and feel these ramifications after the fight. Yeah. Right? Would be my suggestion. But if it's the last sure. thing, I don't care. And actually, it might have been interesting if, if Mordekainen in yeah. that last moment, I take half your hit points and you magically attune to it suddenly. And sure. and then you become slightly more vulnerable to obviously if if you get attacked by Strahd you're in trouble, or in this case you know you also now have the ability to deal out massive massive yeah damage revenge damage on him for sure, um, yeah I think think about the major themes of the character as well and this might be too much for some campaigns that aren't really that far in but um, with my campaigns I I tend to find that there's some sort of hidden message between the characters or between the party that they learn to discover like the for this one like i think we've never really played this high at such an intense level and that almost it can accumulating too much power like cost you your own humanity right and so these items being an accentuation that um shows the character growth against this i think to me was the most fulfilling thing about making them right um I mean, we had a session talking about how to end a campaign and ending with these legendary heroes. They feel legendary because partly because of some of these items that they have. Well, I mean, if you've got that much stuff and I think the idea you were saying they were going through like a, a some sort of treasury or weapon place and they were just like picking up stuff as they could go. Sure. And it was just yeah. uh, a flow. And and even that idea that that you've got to such a point or such a place as a as a player, as a character that you know the world is everything everything powerful in the world is at your disposal mm. in your final push to defeat this evil god yeah yeah well i wanted that to be like we're stocking up you've had your last rest that you're gonna have yeah and now it's pushing until we're there kind of reminds know? me of that scene in the matrix of like we need guns and suddenly all the racks of the guns sh shoot out like 
you know, sure. as much as you want. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a little overwhelming, but I wanted that to be the feeling because they were going through the royal palace on their way to um, the heart of this corruption and this yeah. sort of seat of corruption at the center. Um, and as they were just going through this abandoned palace, they were just finding all these treasures just left behind, right? And it was just like, again, taste just an action to open and take it and then they get the card at random and there was a chance that it would just be like sludge and attack them instead and um and so really it was like players were just like running around the rooms looting the whole thing um which is really sort of funny to see sometimes um that they don't even care about fighting these little puny monsters that are just here to take some of their hit points away but really they're just like i don't care i want to open the the drawers what's inside and they were really it was like kind of under like the christmas kids on tree. christmas yeah it kind of was in a way which was i've never really seen and the novelty kind of did wear off pretty soon after but in that moment it was just fun like doling out these cards and something to make this monotonous fight interesting yeah really um at, at a super high level and they don't ultimately like all these items they could be useful and they register in their mind but it's not you know they almost a, forget about it. Almost it almost becomes, yeah, with that much choice. It's almost too much to think about. Yeah, there's too many things. It's to, like a Netflix. And so, it's like yeah. a subscription to every single streaming yeah. platform. And, and, and then, what do you do? And basically in six seconds being asked to choose one. You're, you're almost at best just randomly grabbing something and flinging it at the baddie, hoping it does something awesome. Oh, sure. Or in any moment of doubt, like any moment of a breather, looking, scanning through them, what, when can I use this? How can I keep this in mind? Yeah. You know, and the, the, the main thing is that well, this is a for us was very much so a DD beyond campaign um, my next one i don't think will be um, but this one almost every item they have is logged into their character sheet and none of these are in DD beyond right and so they always just have to hold on to it and keep it in mind which is again gonna forget it right with yeah. D beyond at least i can quickly scroll through my character well, sheet and you can and add all everything there, right? into your actions right you can oh, put sure. it all on one site see one thing so you can see them all in one place mm -hmm. and heck you can even make it roll the dice for you so yeah, that those digital tools do change things up. And if you go back to pen and paper um, and handouts and cards and all of these wonderful sort of, you know, very tangible things at the table, um, that can actually make, you know, also an interesting way to make a magic item or a, an artifact feel super special is to, you know, give it a page of its own or, like I said, a handout or a card or something. Um mm. There was something else we kind of, I wanted to ask, ask earlier, in the creation of, of your artifacts, one of the very common things we see uh, from artifacts in the book is sentience. Do you ever play around with sentient items? Do you make I any did. artifacts that way? There was a stretch of the campaign um, where my barbarian got a hold of the legendary item called Black Razor, right. um, which is a sentient magic item. Uh-huh. Uh, that they found like hundreds of feet down in this cavern, almost as if like trying to burrow, like burrow its way down into hell, um, that they'd taken and grasped. Um, and the barbarian had successfully bargained with it to become its new wielder. And that was a constant struggle of um, Black Razor casting haste on him and him being super powerful in combat. Um, like like swallowing enemies whole. Black Black Razor is actually uh, one of the sample ones that are in the uh, yeah DM's yeah. Guide. It's such a classic item, um, and it was super fun to use as well. All the different parts of it, we we'd used we'd explored all aspects of Black Razor, and it became a major campaign point in the sacrifice of power for the greater good. In that ultimately, at this this very like almost like sacred hot spring, they'd managed they they. Drown, basically drowned the thing in holy water um exercised the demon uh who really just had like they found just had issues you know just had like kind of like not daddy issues but some sort of like obviously bad upbringing or whatever or even existence to what it, it deemed itself uh pure emptiness and the incarnate of of the void and whatever and really well how can you and they, they were sort of causing it to like have cognitive dissonance with these like well how can you be nothing if you're you know black razor and, and it's like wow you know and they eventually managed to almost turn it not turn it good but turn it away from this ultimate destruction and they broke black razor sacrificed it um and the barbarian had to say goodbye to this super powerful weapon but it was it was a brilliant moment that was i, I think one of my most like my favorite moments of the campaign was saying goodbye to black razor um and that's ultimately the lesson with sentient weapons is that they're the most unstable thing you'll well, ever come across. There's a lot of conflict, right? Like, 
the item can insist on being carried or worn all the time. It can demand that, you know, the wielder disposes of things that it finds repugnant. It can demand, you know, that you pursue its goals over the Your party's own. goals. Sure. Um, it can even... Good it, or evil. It can, it can demand, demand to be given to other people or for you to like, you know, do different things that you don't want to do. And then if you refuse, you it know, just suggest, yeah, it can turn itself off, disattune from you, suppress its features, or my favorite is possess, attempt to take control of the wielder. Yeah. And, and that's it, happened. You we know, had that happen a couple this times. This is actually, um, so the items have different charisma modifiers, but it's, the DC is 12 plus the charisma modifier, which could be as much as like, you know, plus three, plus four. So you're looking at a DC 15, 16 charisma save. Um, that's pretty easy to, 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 to fail. Yeah. That's yeah, not too hard. That's, that's a definitely in the realm of possibility of missing that one. Mm. And then guess what? You're charmed for the next 1d12 hours. <laughs> right. Fun. True. Um, so yeah, there's like a day suddenly of a, of a campaign or a, you know, a session possibly where you basically have to say to the player, yeah, you're charmed by your sentient weapon and you know, this is what's going to happen. It's a real loss of player agency at the table in a lot of ways. Um, but, and, but maybe a fun little lesson in terms of deciding whether they want to keep this artifact or not, because as powerful as it might be, it's, it really is a pain in the ass. If, it, if it's taking away your ability to play at the table, you'd be like, you know what? I hate this thing. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm re-gifting. Because that's, <laughs> that's an important part of Midwinter Festival is re-gifting items you don't want. Yeah, yeah. Putting the burden on someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really a curse, but it kind of is. In a way. You know, it, it's a very powerful curse. Um, but I think that there's so much opportunity with, with artifacts. And I, I, I'm a proponent for the, the idea of, at a very low level, giving the party an artifact that isn't a weapon or a armor or a one-person thing, but this tool that is beyond way beyond their league that the party only begins to grasp um, and that is is perhaps fallen from grace or that has been lost by some great creature that propels them to adventure uh, i think is such a great opportunity um especially in a, a campaign existing with these magical items well there was um, something about the ring of winter i was reading into and it was interesting when it mentioned other properties at the bottom it says that the Ring of Winter is rumored to possess other properties that can be activated only by an evil being uh, whose will the ring cannot break. Uh, and you could extend these sort of property ideas like that as well to your item. So knowing that the bad guys are trying to get their hands on it, and if they do, then like frost giants have long believed that the ring can be used to freeze entire worlds. Right. And you're like, oh my God, if your party knows that lore about it, you know, yeah, your player can't Very freeze entire worlds with it, but if it ends up in the wrong hands, oh my god! And also, it was once told that the there's a a jinn, uh, a genie, uh, in the service of the Kalashite Pasha, who once claimed that the ring could be used to summon and control white dragons, as well as a mighty ice primordial named Cryonax. And you're like, oh damn, like. Players can't do these things, but legend has it a certain powerful evil creatures or, you know, super beings of some sort, magical beings. Um, so, yeah, the idea of summoning and controlling white dragons, that's like... Oh, for sure. That that changes up the game. I mean, the quest of a, of a adventure could be actually just destroying this artifact that they've gotten. I mean, yeah. think about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, which is essentially... It's not like know. the... It's like, oh, have this fun but, artifact. Yeah, you know, that you one know, ring to control them all. Powerful. Bilbo never really controls any of them. Not, not really, Bilbo, um, no. but um, The whole journey is just to break... You know, just get rid of the damn yeah, yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, the, the Baggins family uh, never really do anything super powerful with the ring apart from disappear. Yeah. Um, but clearly there are those out there who feel if they get their hands on it, they will have superpower. Yeah. Control. Whatever sort of Sauron eye. Uh, in the right, in the wrong hands, they're super powerful. In the right hands, they just make you invisible. Hey. Ring of invisibility. Still would you, bad. would you Still go on a legendary. quest that big to get rid of a ring of invisibility? I don't know. <sighs> well, if the world's at stake. I guess. Um, so anyways, that's our, uh, that's some of our, our takes on, uh, 
artifacts this Christmas and yeah. working them into your campaign. And, you know, obviously if you're listening to this and thinking about artifacts, you probably already sort of at that point we recognize that, you know, this is, this is big league stuff. And, mm. you know, the best way to do it is talk with those who are giving the, the item too. see if you can adjust it. Or if it is something straight out of the book like this, really think about how it goes into the game. Um, don't be afraid to, yeah, like... Talk to your players. Yeah, uh, rewrite parts of anything that doesn't fit mm. uh, to make it fit better into your game. When they just list, oh, hey, you should roll on the table for X number of minor or right. major and things, again, maybe ignore that. Make and, your own. And think up what makes more sense in this and what's very tailored to my, my party into their story. Um, and also think, like if, if you say, like you said, if the whole party finds it, who in the party might end up being the one that carries it around or is using it and, you know, again, maybe give it a reason why it doesn't get along with that player so well, um, that character, uh, so that it, you know, just creates more conflict, more interesting sort of story points in the game for you as well. Yeah. And um, final fun fact, did you know that artifacts cannot be disabled by anti-magic field? Is that true? Yeah. Is that really? Yeah. Only artifacts and gods escape the grasp of anti-magic field so oh my so beholder blasts you with his little eye beam and you're like yeah sorry I'm good here's my artifact poof take that poke well i don't know eye. about the beholder beam but i do maybe boulder beam as well if you wanted to rule as a dm but rules is written in the anti-magic field spell oh, it says spell. yeah that i think the eye for the beholder is really the same is sure. a spell effect i don't think it's anything other yeah uh, but it doesn't affect artifacts so keep that in mind that's amazing i yeah. i really Hadn't thought about that. That's yeah. great. Just a fun little bit of lore for y'all. Well, that's going to make this Midwinter Festival super special. So, you know, tonight when you settle down for your long winter nap and nothing in the house is stirring, not even a Briganock, um, I hope that you dream about, you know, sugar plums and artifacts. All right, y'all. Have a merry holiday season from us here at the Like Dragon Like Sun. See you around. And uh, we'll catch you in the new year. Bye-bye.